Welcome to the 100 Podcast. Seth and Charlie here with you. Hope you're well. Today, we're doing our men's tournament preview. And like our women's tournament preview, we are doing it in the shape of a pre-season awards prediction ceremony. Basically, we've got six or seven categories. We're going to go through each one, talk about some of the players that we're really excited to watch, and talk about the teams and how we think they'll get on. Firstly, Charlie, though, how are you doing? We are recording this on Tuesday, so it's still boiling hot and it's before the tournament has started, but I think we're both really excited for it to begin. Oh, of course. I think it's going to be such an exciting tournament. So much star power on show, so much explosive hitting, so many great bowlers. I'm looking forward to seeing a tournament of this high standard here on our home turf in England, so I can't wait for it to get started. Absolutely, and I need some serious entertainment because I'm currently in my bedroom recording this because my girlfriend's working in our one other room. And as I was saying to you before the call, all I've heard the last two hours is a violin playing hugely out of tune. So I really need my life to to get more exciting. So very excited for the hundred. But let's get stuck in, Charlie. The first award is top run scorer. Who have you got in mind to win that accolade? It's a tough one because there's so many really explosive hitters here. I think it's a really hard one to narrow it down. But as the women's one, I'm going to say it's probably going to be an opener. I think they're going to face the most balls and have the most chances to really make an impact here. And I'm going to pick out a few names who really stand out for me. And that's Johnny Bairstow, Alex Hales and Liam Livingstone. All three of them are arguably in the form of their lives here. I mean, Alex Hales the other week saw that ridiculous 31 of nine, I think it was, and that reduced game at Trent Bridge. Liam Livingstone, I don't need to say, he's been in great Nick Freeman, that massive 100 the other day, uh, his last little 30-odd as well. He's in great touch as well. And Johnny Bairstow is still arguably, I think, England's form batsman in, in whiteboard cricket right now. They're probably all going to open for their teams. Uh, I think they're all going to have such an incredible tournament and I've got a lot of damage potential. But if I had to choose one, I'm going to say Liam Livingstone, I think. Yeah, Liam Livingston is in form. And as we said on the Women's Preview podcast, and as we've said pretty much throughout this whole process, the current trend in T20 cricket, and it will be the same in the 100, is that the very best batters will bat at the top. They'll open up because when you only have 100 deliveries to work with, you want your very best players facing as many balls as possible. So I do think we're going to see a lot of runs from openers and we're going to see a lot of top-heavy teams in terms of run scoring. And I agree, I think Liam Livingston is the name that first came to mind because obviously he won't get on that test squad, but he is really forcing himself into this England T20 side. Obviously, that incredible 100 against Trent Bridge. He looked in fantastic touch at Headingley until Tom Curran run him out. It was He's just looked in fantastic form. And that huge six, by the way, into the rugby league ground was an astonishing thing to watch. Oh, that was ridiculous, wasn't it? I've never seen a six that big. I don't think anyone has, really. I think it was so big they couldn't actually measure it on their, on their equipment because it just gone beyond the reach of it. I've never seen anything like it. And I think... When you can strike a ball like that, you know, the, the world is your oyster here. So I think he's going to have a great tournament if he keeps this up. And I reckon he's going to score more runs than anybody else. Yeah, I think Liam Livingston is personally my favourite because I know we'll be batting at the top for the Phoenix. and I know what incredible touch he is in. And I think form is such an interesting thing. I think he is really red hot right now and uh, I really rate his chances you mentioned Alex Hales obviously he's got a lot to prove he is not going to be in the England T20 World Cup squad as much as people want to talk about it he's not going to be there but Charlie a great T20 player it's a shame he's not playing in the IPL uh, because he should be but he has a lot to offer and hopefully he can use the 100 to really make his case to get more franchise cricket opportunities yeah he'll definitely feel like he's got a point to prove 
whether or not you think he has a lot, that's up for debate. We don't really know the whole story there. I don't think we will for a while. That, that's off the table. I think what is pretty clear is he is an astonishing white ball opening batsman. He is one of the finest white ball cricketers that England have produced, I think. And I think if he gets going, which he has been recently, you know, at the top of the order for Trent Rockets alongside Darcy Short, he could be having a lot of fun there. So, yeah, I think if he finds his feet and uh, is in good touch, well, what's he going to do? A lot of damage, I reckon. Yeah, and I want to move on to next. Another player you mentioned, obviously Johnny Burster, but also his opening partner out of the Welsh Fire, Tom Banton. We've talked about how we're unsure about the Welsh Fire's balance. We did this in our team preview. You can check that out. We had a whole 15 minutes of just confusion about how the hell they're going to go around this thing. But what the Welsh Fire do have, and beyond their um, lack of bowling flexibility and the, the, kind of the weaker resources we think they have compared to other teams, they do have one of the most explosive top orders in the competition, of course, Glenn Phillips is in there, uh, Ben Tuckett is in there, but Tom Banton and Johnny Bairstow can be a really destructive opening partnership, and I'm really excited to see them back together, because they are just two stars of the T20 game in England. I'm really, really excited, especially with those really short, straight boundaries. I think, uh, you know, Cardiff can be a really fun place to bat. And I do think those guys are going to score a lot of runs. So Johnny is obviously a fantastic player, but Tom Banton is another guy who's, who's had been in an IPL squad. He's played a little bit of big bash cricket, but I think it's somebody who's just biding his time and waiting to really break out because he had a tough 2020 in all of those, in all of those um, England camps where he, he was kind of the reserve player and stuck in quarantine. It was rough on him and he, he said so much himself. So I'm really excited to see him express himself on the biggest stage for the Welsh Fire. And I think he could be somebody who stacks up runs. He absolutely could. I would echo what you say. I think he was poorly managed by England recently. I know it's a tough one with the whole COVID situation, having to have quality reserves on hand, but he's just not played that much cricket recently, not much as he could have done. He lost his IPL contract and that was a real shame. and had to pull out the big bash as well, um, which would have been a great opportunity for him. So I feel like he's got a point to prove here. I think he's really wanting to put his hat in the ring for England selection because I think he's absolutely good enough to be batting for England. I think he'll want to be forcing his way into England's T20 World Cup plans. I think he's got a right to prove that, quite honestly. And yeah, I think if he's, if he's in full flow, he could really be a good shout for this one. And you know what I find really exciting about the 100 is every time you watch the IPL or you watch the Big Bash or you watch whatever T20 franchise league, there's always one or two debates about one or two players who could force their way into the national side. Uh, you know, you're watching the Brisbane Heat and you're thinking, oh, well, Amarna Sabashani is having a decent season. Maybe he can force himself into the T20 side as well as the other sides. And I think that's you know an occasional debate you'll see in the IPL as well. But for the 100, there is genuinely two players in every team that you think they should be playing for England. Well, Tymel Mills, for example, at the Southern Brave is obviously going to be really pushing for his place. The entire Oval Invincibles bowling attack are all playing for a slot in that World Cup 15 for England. It's the same with Tom Banton. It's the same with Phil Salt and Joe Clark, the Manchester Originals. Every single team, you have these guys who are hungry for England duty. I think that shows the strength in depth this tournament has. I think that's what makes it really exciting because obviously we love the T20 Blast and we're big fans of it. we love watching it but I think it's exciting to see this real concentration of talent the eight best teams full of the very best players and by the way full of the very best players who are all really really good right now England have possibly the best strength and depth in white ball competitions around the globe and that makes this tournament really exciting 
Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point, actually. And I'd also like to, to add to that the fact that even the teams that we think are the weakest, like the Welsh Fire, uh, possibly London Spirit, you know, they may be slightly weaker than the rest we think, but they still have players who have that point to prove. We still have players who could be forcing their way into to England colours if they have a good tournament here. They all have match winners, uh, particularly with the bat. I think there's just so much talent here and it is genuinely a very, very exciting thing to be witnessing. And I think that it's going to be such a fun tournament because of it. So I personally can't wait to see that. Yeah, because I think we have a consensus that the Welsh fire are not the worst side in the tournament. I don't think that's the right way of going about it. Potentially the weakest balanced, if that makes sense. We think that there are there are more weaknesses and there are more holes in that side than any other. However, what's exciting about the 100 is that we could point at the Welsh fire and say, okay, we think you're the weakest, but there is a definite story here. There is a definite way of them winning the competition. Like they could go and win this competition about top four fires. And I think that's what really excites me about this whole tournament. And I think there are so many English stars out there who are going to be really fighting to, to top the run charts. And I fancy one of Bearstone Banton at the Welsh Fire and um, playing in Cardiff. I think that'd be really fun. A couple of other overseas players to mention. I think uh, Devon Conway's in fantastic form. He's a guy who scores a lot of runs. Quinton Dukok as well as opening partner at the Southern Brave. We could really go on, but there are so many exciting batting talents to watch out for. But let's move on to the bowlers, Charlie. Top wicket taker in the hundred. Who do you think is going to win that? Well, there's an obvious place to start here, and that is, of course, the very first pick in the entire draft. It's Rashid Khan in the Trent Rockets. He is such a dominating bowler globally. He's really had so much success in pretty much every franchise he's going. He's already got lots of experience playing in England too. He's had a couple of campaigns in the Blast for Sussex and have been very successful. Uh, I remember watching his first game, I think, for Sussex and. Michael Burgess at the time, who was keeping for Sussex, just had no idea what he was doing. Burgess couldn't pick him. And I think that was so, so telling of his ability. If your keeper doesn't know what you're doing, how the hell is the batsman going to know what you're doing? And so I think that on Trent Bridge, a pitch which is famously slow and is conducive to spinners, I think he's going to have a lot of success. So Rashid Khan, all the way for me. Yeah, Rashid Khan is just a really special talent. We've talked about him before on the podcast. It was very clear to me that he should have been the first overall pick and the Trent Rockets have a huge advantage having him in their side. But when we talk about Rashid Khan and the top wicket taker charts, Charlie, I think it actually brings up an interesting conversation about tactics. Because if you remember in the IPL, back in the day where Sonal Narayan was right at the top of his peak before he had to change his bowling action, there was a time where teams would just block out Sonal Narayan. I remember famously Yuvraj Singh when he's playing for the Pune Warriors India. Great team, by the way. Fantastic team in the Pune Warriors India. He blocked out a whole over of Sonal Narayan, the 17th over with like 30, 35, 40 to win. And he left 35 to 40 to win off the last 18 deliveries rather than attack Narayan because he just knew he'd get out. And obviously we've moved a long way past that now, thankfully. But it does interest me to see how teams are going to go after Rashid Khan. He's only going to be able to bowl 20 deliveries out of 100, but those are going to be crucial. And I think you obviously have to be something more cautious about Narayan, but I just... It's interesting. Teams will have different tactics. They'll either go all out and treat him like any other bowler, or they might try and be more defensive and then attack other weaker parts of this side. But that's a tough one when you only have 100 deliveries to bowl. So I think that is a really interesting story here within all these tactics is how teams go about facing the very best players like Rashid Khan. Yeah, and I think another aspect of that is the whole 10 ball over thing. You know, if if you've got a really good matchup for Rashid Khan, 
if you've got a situation where he can come in and bowl 10 balls against a batsman who is not having a nice time against the leg spin, you have a situation where you can really change a game and that's 10 balls. And Trent Rockets could really take the game with his crossfit's neck there and completely change a game. So I think that's going to be a really interesting one. I don't know how they're going to go about that. I think we'll see teams approaching it in very different ways. It's going to be a lot of trial and error, but it's going to be exciting either way, I think. Yeah, those 10 ballers will be interesting because there are times where Rashid Khan just bowls the six most magical deliveries and one of the most beautiful overs you'll ever see have the batter in knots. And you think, I just, I wish he could bowl six more. Now he can. If he does bowl five really good deliveries, you can keep him on and keep up the pressure. So the Trent Rockets are very lucky there. But yeah, I'm interested to see how teams go about it. I think they will have to attack Rashid Khan. And by the way, he's not invincible. You can get after him. Um, and players have got after him before, but I'm interested to see how teams will look at bowling attacks and try and exploit the strengths and weaknesses within it. When I look at top wicket takers, I'm going to stick with the domestic players. Um, there's a couple of guys I want to mention um, who we've talked about before on the podcast, but I want to get into Time or Mills first. He is a player that Owen Morgan has mentioned in terms of players he'd like to see in the England side. Uh, he said that he's looking for Tom Wells to have a good 100 and he might force his way into the T20 World Cup squad. Obviously, Tom Wells with a great deal of pace. He's one of the very best deaf bowlers in the world. And I think the 100 is a great opportunity for him to really show off his skills, Charlie. Oh, absolutely. I think Tom Mills has got a really, really big point to prove here for England. Uh, I think he could have a very valid point to make that some of the deaf bowlers England have been picking just aren't as good as him. You know, I think Tyrell Mills is one of the best bowlers in the world at the def. I think economically speaking, he is the best, the most miserly at the def. And I think that for the Southern Braves, he's going to do a lot of damage. He's going to be really hard to get away, really hard to score runs off. And he'll take wickets too. Yeah, and I actually read a really interesting piece on him earlier by Ben Jones in Wisdom. It's a fantastic piece about how good a death bowler he is and how great a niche he's found by bowling back of the length with his slow balls, with his extreme pace. And he really is a fantastic operator. Obviously, he's been a specialist T20 bowler, I think, for six years now. Obviously, he had chronic back pain issues, which meant he couldn't play any longer formats. But I'm really excited to see how he gets on in the 100. Another left-arm seamer that I think could really force their way into England contention is Reese Topley. He's a guy who takes wickets at the top of the innings by swinging the ball at good pace. And we've seen that England are struggling to take wickets in the power play. That's one, one of their weaknesses. They're obviously trying David Willey there. You have Adil Rashid bowling in the power play. Uh, but I do think that Reese Topley with that added pace and, and the kind of bounce he gets can be more threatening than David Willey in the power play, as good as David Willey is. So playing for the Oval Invincibles, where I imagine he'll take the new ball, with the swing he gets, with the pace, with the bounce. I think if he has a really good 100, again, he's just another player who could force his way into England contention. And he could. I think Topley's a really good cricketer. I think he's quite a versatile bowler as well, actually. Yes, he mentioned he's good in the power play. He can bowl at the deaf too. I remember in his, uh, in his youth, when he was at Essex still, he broke through as being a really good deaf bowler back then, where he developed a lot of his variations, a lot of slower balls, a lot of nous, and a lot of can the ability to predict what a batsman's going to do and be one step ahead of them all the time. I think he's a player that, much like Tower Mills, England would benefit from having around the squad. And I think that the overall invincibles, which is obviously now his home ground, I think he's going to do particularly well for them. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do, for sure. 
Yeah, it is interesting with Reese because I do feel like he is not talked about enough. He takes lots of wickets at the top, and when you do have the opportunity to bowl a bowler 10 deliveries in a row with the new ball, he might take that. But also, he's a good death bowler. I've been impressed when I've seen him at the death, especially it's like Mills. He's not going to be a Yorker guy. He's going to hit the pitch with that with those kind of variations and the extra, that extra that lift he gets off the surface because he is so tall. I do think he's a guy who really should be talked about more. And I don't have injuries over the years, obviously haven't helped that. But if I was selecting my best 15 right now, I think Reese Topley gets in there. So I'll be excited to see how he goes. I'll also talk about Matt Parkinson briefly. Obviously, we've seen him in this Pakistan series. Very impressive at Headingley. He is a really, really wily and clever leg spinner. And playing in his home conditions at the Manchester Originals, I think is going to be a real treat. So I think those three are the ones to watch. But I'm especially interested to see if the likes of Reese Topley and Matt Parkinson can break into this England side. Yeah, I love what Parky offers. Um, people say he bowls too slowly. I think that's a lot of nonsense, quite frankly. I think I think the revolution he gets on the ball is just superior to many, many bowlers out there. I think he's borderline, if not already, a world-class spinner. And I think over at Old Trafford, his home ground, in tandem with Tom Hartley's Lancashire teammate, you know, there's going to be a lot of wickets there. There's going to be a lot of a lot of grip out of surface for him. He's going to take a lot of wickets. That's unquestionable. Yeah, and I'm so excited to see Parky play, especially if England go into this T20 World Cup. Obviously, we played in the UAE. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they do play two spinners there because it can be a tough place for Seamus to bowl. Let's move on to the breakthrough player in the 100, Charlie. This is a player that maybe isn't being talked about a great deal as a younger guy who's obviously doing well in the T20 Blast. You have to be selected for this, but it's somebody we think could really break through in this tournament and make a bit of a name for themselves. Yeah, and there's two names I'd like to mention here. Neither of whom are, like you say, the biggest names ever, but I think they've got a lot of potential, and I think this is going to be a really good stadium to really break out and show what they can do. And the first of those is Will Smead of Somerset. Now, Will Smead broke out last season with a really good knock against Gloucestershire. He took Benny Howell all over the ground. He scored 80 out of about 30 or 40, just looked in complete control. Uh, and since then, he's been a regular in the Somerset side, batting at three or four. He's a really good boundary hitter. He's very powerful. His boundary ratio is, is superb. One of the strongest, I think, in the game as far as a young player goes. But not only does he have that, he has the ability to grind out some tough runs too. Only the other day, also against Gloucestershire, actually, in the blast. Somerset's top order were really struggling. David Payne and Dan Morrow had him in all sorts of trouble, just couldn't get it away. Will Smead comes in and scored about, I think, 30 or 30, which, you know, in, on paper, it's not a great knock. But in the context of the game, it was surprisingly good. And I think it showed a lot of determination from him that he's not just a slogger. He's got a lot of nous and determination and application. And at this level, I think he's going to be able to show that he can score runs in a lot of different situations and he can be very useful for the Birmingham Phoenix. Yeah, and it's interesting because the Birmingham Phoenix have those top three guys, Liam Livingston, Moeen Ali and Finn Allen. And then you look down the rest of the order and it is relatively unheralded guys playing there. So I am really interested to see, first, if Will Smith gets in that 11. I'm not sure if he will, but I think he might get a game during the tournament at some point. But then also to see how he succeeds once he's got a great platform behind him, set up by the likes of Moeen and Liam Livingston. So he's a player I've enjoyed watching and I know that the Birmingham Phoenix are very high on. So excited to see him go. Another player that I know you want to talk about, Charlie, is Jordan Thompson of the Northern Superchargers. Really promising all-rounder who we think could have a really good tournament. 
Absolutely. His hitting has been really, really good for Yorkshire this season. He's been batting either at seven or at three. And I think it's at three where most of his success has come as a kind of pinch hitter who's coming out and giving the ball a big whack. And he's striking about 170 T20 cricket, which is a superb strike rate. He's very dangerous. But I think that his death bowling is surprisingly decent. He's got a few slow balls. He's quite canny. But I think it's his batting that will be the most useful for the Northern Superchargers. Coming in, I'm going to guess, at around six or seven the potential to float should he be needed to. But I think he's a player who can strike a long ball and be pretty menacing. Yeah, I think his batting is what's going to be his forte in this tournament. I think his bowling has a lot of potential. In fact, I think he has a, a, a lot of good slur balls. And we saw in the Roses match, he bowled a couple of really good overs with those slur balls. And Yorkshire actually ended up bowling a ton of spin and bowling a lot more of Adam Live than they did Jordan Thompson, which I thought was a bit of a mistake in the circumstances. But look, I think Jordan Thompson is a, a very, very good batter and I think that's what we're going to see from him he's the lower order hitter he scores really quickly his strike rate for Yorkshire this year is fantastic and I do think he is somebody that can really break out in this tournament and it's going to be tough for someone like Jordan to break into this England side we know that but I think he can go on to be one of the very best domestic players in England and if he has a great tournament maybe push himself into um, franchise contention and maybe in the PSL and the CPL something like that so I'm really excited to see how he goes and uh, yeah I think he could be one of those players who really lifts up the tournament so that'll be fun the final player I want to mention Charlie is um, well he's not a young player he is 28 years old. It's Jake Linter, who is going to turn out for the Southern Brave. He was a wild card pick for them. He is a left-arm leg spinner. We've talked about him before on the show, about how rare a player he is. And Charlie, Jake Linter has been around the scene for a long, long time. Only just really broke into consistent playing time for the Birmingham Bears in the T20 Blast. And he is a player that we think is obviously a rare skill set, uh, a fantastic talent, and could be somebody who really is a trump card for the Brave this year. Absolutely. I, you look at his stats, you don't think there's much experience there, but that would be a lie, really, because, as you say, he's been around the block quite a lot. You know, his, he's had a lot of time in the game, put it that way, without necessarily breaking it through to top level until very recently. But when he has, he's been superb for Warwickshire and the Birmingham Bears, more specifically, in T20 cricket. Uh, his figures are really, really good. I think his economy rate is under seven, if I'm not mistaken, which is incredibly impressive. And as you say, it's the rare skill set, the left-arm leg spin. There just aren't many of them on the circuit. It's so rare, so unusual. And I think a lot of batters won't know how to face him. They won't have really got much data or much knowledge of how he bowls. So I think when he comes in for the Southern Brave, he's going to be a really useful asset. Yeah, because he's only played 23 T20 games at this point in his career. And as you said, his economy rate of 6.77 is very strong. He takes his wickets under 20. That's 29 wickets and 23 T20 matches played. He is really rare. He hasn't been seen a great deal of. I mean, there's definitely going to be some videos that you can watch of him, but I'm not sure the secrets are out yet about his slider, about his googly. So I'm really excited to watch Jake Linter play. I do think he could be one of the star players in this tournament if the brave use them correctly let's move on to mvp then charlie this is the most valuable player the player who is going to take the tournament by storm and probably take their side close to the title i think for me this is going to be an all-rounder somebody who can contribute with both the bat and the ball and it's hard for me again to look past liam livingston i reckon he's going to be one of the top run scorers as we discussed at the top of the show uh, but also his bowling is just so canny as well I think he's a rare asset as well. In fact, he can bowl both off and leg spin, depending on the matchup, depending on the situation. So he has pretty much every base covered there. He's a really good bowler. He's very tidy. He won't give you much to work with. Uh, and I think, for me, he is one of the first names on my team sheet if I'm picking a blank team from scratch right now. I think he's in such good form. I think he has so much potential 
that just win a game with either of his skill sets, really. I also have to shout out Moeen Ali, his teammate at the Birmingham Phoenix, for pretty much the exact same reasons, really. He's quite a similar player in so much as he's a hard-hitting batsman who also bowls some very, very useful spin. I think his now since his experience will really be a key asset for him going forward here. He's also a superb captain, and I think that will go a long way for him too. So I think those are the two players who I'm going to shout out here as being particularly valuable. Yeah, and I think Liam and Moen, as we say, are both all-rounders, two-way players. And I think Liam's bowling is such a fascinating topic. And we talked about it before in the Phoenix preview, but the fact he can bowl both off-spin and leg-spin and the fact he's always bowling to a positive matchup is really fascinating. And I think the form he's in, I would not put it past him to have a stellar season. It's the same with Moen. You mentioned his captaincy as well. You don't really measure captaincy, I guess, in the MVP stakes, but you probably should. It is an underrated role, I think, in cricket sometimes where, you know, if you're winning, captain's great fine if you're losing captain's bad whatever Moeen I just do think is one of those captains who actually cuts through with both his calmness but also I think his tactical nous and I'm actually really excited to see how he uses this Birmingham Phoenix attack because I think obviously he when he plays under Owen Morgan he's playing for an ultra aggressive uh, wicket taking you know a, a captain's really trying to get after the opposition right and kill the game as quickly as possible whereas for Worcestershire Moeen can't do that because his bowling includes Ed Bernard Daryl Mitchell, Charlie Morris. And they're good county operators, but they are not really high-class wicket-takers. And so he has to play it differently. So I'm really excited to see how actually how he captains this Birmingham Phoenix side, because as we talked about, they have a lot of high-quality bowlers and a lot of flexibility. Yeah, they do. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they go, actually. Like you say, there's talent at his disposal, quite a lot of it. Um, and there's quite a lot of ways in which you can line it up and there's quite a lot of ways that you can use it. I don't think any one way is necessarily the right or the wrong way right now either. I don't really know what the most useful way is going to be. I guess we'll find out what they do, but I'm excited to see it nonetheless. I want to bring back quickly some of the players we've mentioned before in the MVP stakes. Reese Topley and Timo Mills, for me, could be right up there. I think a lot of people think of T20 cricket as a batter's game. Right, and I think when batters score lots of runs at a very high strike rate, like they will do in the 100, everyone's like, wow, batting is dominating. They're the most valuable players. They're the stars. Whereas actually, I think the more extreme a format gets in terms of run scoring and strike rate, the more valuable high-class bowlers are in both the power play and at the death. And so I think when I, when I look at the 100, there are so many quality domestic openers who score quickly. The likes of Adam Lythe, Phil Salt, Joe Clark, Tom Banton. These are all guys who aren't in the England side. And there are so many quality players out there. Again, Dan Lawrence, another guy who's not near the T20 side. When you have this amount of destructive batters, I think actually the players that are going to break through as the most valuable for me are going to be those guns at the death and at the top. So we've mentioned Time Wills and Reese Topley before. I think they will be really interesting to watch out for. Asaka Mahmood as well. And that Oval Invincibles attack is going to be really exciting. But uh, yeah, I, I do think those guys who can operate at the power play and take wickets and then at the death are going to be some of the most valuable. And especially they can be even more valuable when you can use these 10 ball overs and you can even bowl someone 15 of the final 20 deliveries if you want. You can probably bowl them 20 of the final 25 deliveries, though you're probably not going to want to do that with a seamer because they might break. <laughs> that would be tough for them. But genuinely though, Charlie, I, I think when you can change the odds and you can you can you can make these players have a bigger role at the death or in the power play than ever before that will become an increasingly valuable skill it does and i think what we're going to see here 
is an increased specialization in bowling skills here. It wouldn't surprise me at all if we see an increased value being put on bowlers who, like you say, can bowl a lot of balls up top in the power play or a lot of balls at the death. I think those will become increasingly valuable commodities here. And so if you have a Sakiba mood who can arguably do both, then that value is increased tenfold. Agreed. So I do think the MVP, for me at least, or at least for us, might well be a bowler. And I think Tom Mills and Reese Topley uh, are definitely front runners for me. And there's loads of great players out there who I'm excited to watch. But it's interesting you mentioned the specialisation of the power play. There's a team that pops up for me there for the Northern Supercharge. They have both David Willey and Majibo Rahman, who are two of the really best power play operators out there. And theoretically, what you could do is you could give 10 balls to David Willey with a new ball. Right, then you go to Majib, then give five more to David Willey if it's still swinging a bit, and then go five balls to Majib. And that's 25 balls to your power play specialist, and you haven't bowled anybody else yet. And then you have Adel Rashid, Brian Cast, Ben Stokes, John Thompson, whatever, later on. I think that would be a really interesting tactic they could use. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really interesting strategy, actually. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if a few more teams tried that as well, but I think Supercharges are probably the best play side to attempt that. When you have two bowlers of that quality in the power play then I think you'd be stupid not to try it so you know whether or not it comes off exactly as we're saying it will here I don't know but it's gonna be interesting to see how it pans out two more awards to get through let's get to the winning team Charlie who do we think is gonna be the most successful team in this tournament this is a tough one for me because there's a lot of teams out there who could win it I don't think it's a team who couldn't win necessarily I think they've all got match winners here but I think the one team that stands out for me as being the strongest from 1 to 11 in their first choice 11 is probably going to be the overall invincibles. I think that their domestic core is really strong and that's something that I think is really valuable. Uh, I think their availability is going to be pretty strong as well. I think their best players will be available for the majority of the tournament with maybe exception of Sam Curran who will probably go and join the England Test squad after a couple of games. But beside him, I think everybody will be available and that's so crucial. They've also got some really canny overseas picks as well, some slightly more moneyball ones, for example, of Solomon Ryan, Sanit Levachane, who I don't think is going to be able to make it here. I think he's going to be replaced by Tabaray Shamdio. That's not been confirmed yet, but that's another excellent selection nonetheless. Uh, and Colin Ingram, who is a vastly experienced hitter uh, and a very, very good cricketer. So I think with that squad, the set they've got is really, really strong there. And I think man for man, they are possibly the strongest squad. Yeah, and the Invincibles do just have a really high-quality domestic core. That's something we've talked about before, and I find it crazy that they have a domestic bowling attack of Tom Curran, of Sam Curran, of Reese Topley, and then also you have Sakamamood there. And I just find it amazing that they managed to create a side of that quality. It amazes me, especially when they've got Jason Roy and Will Jacks at the top of the order, Sam Billings as well. They just have so much quality. And for me, I think they could be one of the best sides in this competition. And I think genuinely, I think if we were to come together, put our heads together and put our genuine bets down, I think we would probably come out with the Oval Invincibles. A team I do want to mention, though, and I've got two teams I want to get through, is the Manchester Originals, firstly. They're going to play at Old Trafford. It's very unique home conditions and they have a fantastic squad for that uh, we've got obviously phil salt colin monroe joe clark josh butler top of the order they're really explosive and then you've got a good bowling attack we think for those conditions led by Lockie ferguson matt parkinson and tom hartley and i think charlie they can dominate their home conditions they could tear this tournament up i think we said it before in this podcast that we only really need to win your home games and you've probably got a really good chance of qualifying for at the very least the qualifier to get through to the final uh, and I think the originals have a really strong squad to be able to do that. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they win every game at home. They've just read their conditions incredibly well and have recruited very, very well on the back of that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the final team I want to talk about is the Southern Brave. I think they are the consensus favourites among everybody. They have obviously that incredible domestic bowling attack of Joff Rocha, Chris Jordan, Tyler Mills. Obviously good spinners and Jake Linton and Liam Dawson. And then a really powerful batting lineup headlined by James Vince, Quinton DeCock and Devon Conway. It's interesting. They had David Warner and Marcus Stoinis available originally. They had to drop out. And we actually think that by having Devon Conway in there and having Quinton DeCock in there, They've actually upgraded over these guys. So I think they have a really strong squad as well and a team for definite to watch out for. I agree. I, I, I'm totally with you on the fact that they've upgraded on Warner and Stoinis, actually. I think in Conway and Decock, they've got players who are maybe more explosive than current form. I think they're players who are better suited to home conditions as well. Uh, so <laughs> against all the odds, I think they've managed to take that situation, which could have been a big problem for them and have come out of it a stronger side, which is very impressive, I think, given some of the replacements that have happened, which maybe, you know, you'd argue weren't as strong and or have been downgrades. So the Brave are absolutely one to watch for sure. But I'm going to stick with my original shout of Vince Balls. I, I don't want to go for Brave just because I feel like I want to be a bit of a hipster about it. I think they're too obvious and I don't like being too obvious. That's that's me hipster and parcels behind the Oval Invincibles and the Birmingham Phoenix. I think they're the, they're two great teams, and I think genuinely, as we said earlier, you could make a case for all eight teams winning this, and I think that's really exciting. Is that with a lot of other competitions, you know who's going to win, you know who's going to lose, you know every IPL, the Mumbai Indians are the front runners, and I think in this tournament you don't know that, and that's very exciting. We did mention previously that we thought the Welsh Fire were the worst team in the tournament, obviously. As we said, we think there's a chance for them to win. But our final award is going to be for who we think is going to be the weakest team. We've touched on the Welsh Fire, so we'll do something very brief on them first, Charlie. There are positives about the Welsh Fire. They have that explosive top order, obviously, with the likes of Tom Banton, Johnny Bairstow, Ben Duckett, Glenn Phillips. That's great. But we do think their bowling lineup has some issues. Jake Ball and Liam Plunkett, two guys who hit back of a length, will be useful on those very long, square and short straight boundaries at Cardiff, but they only have one quality spinner in Kays Armand. And I think a lot of their bowling attack is, it's very susceptible to someone falling apart. Basically, if one or two of their bowlers don't work, they haven't got a great deal of flexibility. Yeah. I think the fire man for man have the most problems compared to the other squads here. I think, you know, we said it before that finding a balance for that squad is, is quite difficult. I think whatever way you line them up, I think there's a bit of an issue there, whether that's with the batting being a man short, whether that's the bowling not having enough options. I do think the bowling is the weakest link. Looking forward to seeing Kay's armored player. I think there's going to be a lot resting on his shoulders. But beyond that, I think, you know, someone like Plunky, who's not played a lot of cricket lately, I think if he goes, there could be a problem. And I think that's my biggest issue with this squad. If one person either goes the distance or has to pull out injured, I don't see a lot of high-quality players who can come in and replace them. So I think they're probably going to be the weakest team for me. Yeah, and I agree. I do think on paper they are the weakest side. But I am interested to see how they go. Because as we said, they have an explosive top four. They do have a lot of quality. And I genuinely think that they could be tough to stop if they get going. And that's what I'd say about all the sides. The London Spirit as well that we talked about in our preview podcast. We thought they might be a little bit weak. Uh, they might on paper not be a side that we fancy. But they possess Er Morgan, Ravi Bapara, Dan Lawrence, Mohamed Nabi, Mark Wood. There's so much quality just across this team. And I do think that's what is exciting about the 100 is that we can talk about the worst and best teams. But frankly, as much as we can give our insight, I think it's an open playing field. And that's what makes it 
Really, really exciting. So we're excited for the first men's match tonight. At this point, we'll have been to the first women's game, which we're really excited about. And we'll have a little review of that and the atmosphere and everything about that on the weekend. Uh, but please review, rate and subscribe to the podcast. It would mean a lot to us. You can check us out on Twitter at Podcast 100. There's loads of great content there. And if you are looking for an insight into specific teams before the whole thing kicks off, we have a team preview for every single men's 100 team, which you can check out now as well. So thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you on the weekend. See you later.